0: Truly, if you're in athletic communications right now and you can showcase how you can lead through change, how you can understand what's happening in name, image and likeness, how you can understand the sponsors and the challenges the sponsors have, how you can understand influencers um, and quite frankly, how you can connect the dots to the business of athletics because athletics is a business.
1: Of late, when you think about global trends, our minds immediately float towards COVID. Where is the direction of the vaccine taking us? How is the variant changing? Both are considerations that dominate conversations. Given the length of this situation, which is 560 days plus now, that's when the pandemic was declared. We've all developed new routines, ones that are tied up in getting through the next few hours and not planning for the next few years. And this is a trap for college athletic communications professionals. We've changed our practices to fit the virus. And in doing so, we've ignored taking note of how the world is changing, especially how the world communicates. That's where Leadership COSIDA presented by Sidearm Sports comes in, because today it's powering a conversation with Bonnie Caver, a 20-year communications veteran Bonnie is a certified crisis manager from the Institute of Crisis Management and is one of few people in the world to hold an advanced certification for reputation through Reputation Institute. As importantly, Bonnie was the president of the International Association of Business Communicators. So she's going to give us a good platform today by which to learn and gain perspective because the worldwide experience that is going on right now, is bringing us all some local perspective, but we need to be thinking about the global over the course of the next decade and beyond. Bonnie's not only president and founder of Reputation Lighthouse, based in both Austin, Texas and Denver, but she has also walked in your shoes, having spent time at Old Miss as an SID. Bonnie also presented, if you'll remember, at COSIDA at the summer convention a few years ago on the topic of strategic in crisis communications. So Bonnie, with all that under our belts, let's start at the end and work back. What will college athletics communications look like in the year 2030?
0: <laughs> you know, thank you for having me, first of all. Um, very happy to be back with this group. Um, I've spent the last 18 months, as you will, really working with companies and CEOs on, as they try to transform and look at uncertainty. And that has been the question, you know, not only what is ha- going to look like next week, but what is our world going to look like in 2030? At the beginning of the pandemic, I read this book uh, called 2030 by Maro Gillum. And it was a fascinating read at the time uh, looking at his predictions, but knowing as I was looking at his predictions for Five years down the road, they were accelerating and we were doing things now that he was talking about that were going to happen in the future. So, you know, what does 2030 look like? Um, I think 2030 is when we're going to get to the new normal. Everybody wants to say, well, we're in the new normal. I think it's going to be 2030 before we get to the new normal. Between now and then, I don't mean to scare anybody, but we're going to be doing a lot of transforming. Breakneck speed transforming, um, maybe 20 plus micro next normals, So we need to get really used to this uh, uncertainty and being able to be feel OK with this instability. Um, you know, I've been speaking a lot lately um, and about this topic and about change and how that impacts communication professionals. And I call my, my subject, um, uh, my presentation, uh, Surfing the Avalanche of Change. And the purpose of that is really to think about how we stay above the water, how we really stay above the snow and we ride it, Um, Not only that, how do we look at the shifts and turns and be proactive as communication professionals as we lead?
1: Hopefully everybody's got their board tethered to their ankle as they are (laughs) surfing this avalanche. The avalanche, I would imagine, is going to include a fair dose of technology, specifically AI, whether through the book that you read or what you've gathered over the last two or three years. How does artificial intelligence going to play into this?
0: Well, I'd like to talk broader just about digital transformation. Um, You know, we're already seeing sports articles being written by AI. But what really comes next is the ethics part of it. Um, I spent some time in South Africa talking with communication professionals there, and they're ahead of the game because in South Africa, a lot of the technology we use in North America um, actually is tested there. So they've been using uh, AI uh, to write articles um, from finance to sports, et cetera, for quite a period of time. And they're now addressing what is the ethics of AI. Um, Do we say written by a computer uh, in the byline? Um, You know, what are some of the things that we're going to do as we move forward? How do we influence that? Where do we make decisions that it's efficient to use AI? Um, How do we you know, we're already doing this right now. Right. I ask um, and I can quicker ask my uh, Alexa bot um, what the score of a football game that I'm not watching is. Then I can look it up on my phone on ESPN. So we're already beginning to look at those kinds of things. Um, so, um, you know, not only that, but digital transformation has opened the door for fans and athletes to become influencers And to capitalize on that fame. And, you know, quite frankly, name, image, and likeness is only able to be here and be at the level it is um, because of digital transformation. So we're looking at digital transformation really driving true behavior changes. Beyond the AI, you know, how are we watching sports? Um, That's changing. Um, Because of COVID, we're really not wanting to leave the house, Um, it requires motivation. Um, You know, there's also a shift of expendable income and time and how people are willing to use it You know, so quite frankly, I think if it's not easy, it better be worth the effort from an experience level And where can you get the best value for your money and your time with an awesome experience? And these changes are requiring the role of athletic communication professionals to shift Um, We're going to see an even bigger divide between what I call promotion you know, promoting our events and our athletes, et cetera, are connecting with influencers and strategic communications. And the role we need to shift to do more of is that strategic thinking and problem solving. Uh, We need to do a lot more of that than be focused on the tools. Then we've got the reputation. Um, We've got how are we insulating and protecting our brands. How do we guide these influencers and support our athletes who are building their individual brands? And how do we have those individual brands align with our university? Um, How do we tell stories beyond this wins and losses? And then let's think about our sponsors. Sponsors' roles are changing and they are very focused on purpose. So how can we help them reach their purpose goals? So across the board, this is a shift not only for athletic communicators, but also for professional communicators, no matter where your industry, um, it is an opportunity for us to lead this change, to bring people along through this uncertainty, certainly through creating experiences, focusing on purpose and helping to align to the environment and business goals.
1: I find it a bit serendipitous that we are speaking with you during this time frame because October is Global PR and Communications Month. With that, given your experience, what does global mean when you attach it next to the word communications?
0: Well, um, certainly October is Global PR and Communications Month, and um, that really is a time to celebrate Um, our profession. It's a time of awareness and advocacy of the profession. So before I get into the word global, I'd really like for you to just um, uh, take an opportunity to pat yourself on the back and to celebrate what you do, because as communication professionals, we're not always very good at that. Um, And this is a time to celebrate the work that we do um, and to brag about ourselves a little bit and to tell that story. Um, But to the global piece, um, you know, the around the world in 80 days has now become around the world in eight seconds. And, um, you know, our communication channels are no longer ge- geographically bound, uh, which means your brand is not geographically brown- bound. Um, you know, we've learned that we can watch basketball games anywhere in the world with friends anywhere around the world. Um, our fan base may be global, Our influencers may be global. And that's not just at the college athletics or the professional. Um, You know, when I was in South Africa, my uh, son was playing a preseason high school basketball game and I didn't want to miss it. And I I got to watch it. Um, My mother, who is in uh, assisted living, has not been able to go to a face to face basketball game, but she's not missed one because of baller TV. She's been able to watch them. So that's really changed the way we do things. Um, This opening, um, I mean, this opens up uh, an infinite number of opportunities, but it also brings a lot of challenges for us as communication professionals. The other thing I'd just like to add is when you put a global perspective on it, you have an opportunity to help solve problems. And, and to look at how other people are solving problems that you're facing um, in your own little geographic region. Um, especially during COVID, we learned um, from our peers around the world that they may be experiencing the same thing, but they were at a different place. So we could learn from Australia uh, how they were managing crowds at races um, while we were still limiting capacity, but looking at how to bring people back to, to competitions. Um, We could share best practices around testing, around vaccinations, around handling crisis, um, all the way to coming back to work. So it really gave us this opportunity to to look at how those around the world were solving problems.
1: There's a great deal to unpack within the last five minutes of our conversation. And I know it's going to be an unfair question, but if you had to boil it down to an elevator speech, What's the one thing that you've learned since March of 2020 through all of this when it comes to communications? Be
0: flexible, be transparent. That's not one word. That's a lot. But but really and truly, um, you know, I think um, we we uh, we like to plan as communication professionals and um and, and you know, with our leadership, our leadership likes to plan, right? They like to know what's happening and when it's happening. Um, and this has just blown up in our, in our faces. So we may have, you know, you may have been planning to go to, uh, uh, you know, a whole team of a basketball game, and then you find out that your team, you know, three of your team members have COVID, and you've canceled the entire basketball game. Um, which means no, but no fans are in the stands. Nothing, you know, the event's not happening. Um, this gave us uh, a year of being fluid and flexible, which, uh, in hindsight, actually is a very good thing for us as as communication professionals, because it puts something in our backpack that we now can rely upon, and we now know how to operate in that atmosphere. Um, sometimes we we've talked about agile and being agile for a long time and we didn't really want to want to move to that because it was hard. well we've now moved that way so now it's time to to roll back keeping that flexibility and that fluidity in in mind and how can we bring the strategy back into it?
1: you've got a pretty stout acumen when it comes to crisis management sort of as a follow up to what you've learned since march of 2020. Given all that we've experienced politically, socially, even with mental health, how do you advise our listeners to create strategy, though you still have to be flexible? Because there could be a movement, there could be a march, right? There could be almost anything when you wake up in the morning that you did not expect by about midday. So, again, being strategic in your crisis management but still having to be on a bit of a swivel because your day could go 365 degrees, 360 degrees because 365 is not a number.
0: <laughs> well, you know, I think one of the challenges with that is, um, is taking the time to be strategic. And um, that is very difficult um, to do. When you are sitting here with a already full plate and you're saying, eh, I don't really have time um, to be strategic. I don't really have time uh, to sit down and make these plans. What you really don't have is you really don't have the time uh, to have this interrupt your day. Um, and when you think about it and you think about how much, uh, this change is, and these disruptors, as you will, are coming into your day and disrupting your day. Taking the time to be strategic first are, are really, really important, and they'll help you. Um, but one of the other things is, is how do you get, get to that point? How do you schedule that time? And, um, you know, sometimes you have to have some help. Um, you know, and some outside help to, to help you and whether that's in creating a crisis plan, whether that's kind of doing your own strategy, whether that's looking at how you re look at your work, your workflow and what you're doing and how you're spending your time, sometimes having an outside view helps. And, you know, I say from a crisis perspective, having someone outside to help you with a plan, one, um, They they bring in and ask questions you don't even know to ask because they're used to it Two, you have a lot of blinders on and biases that you don't even know because you're in it and you live it every single day. Um, You know, you don't have the benefit of looking at other industries. Um, Someone who comes in as a consultant has looked at a lot of different industries. Um, Sometimes it's hard to get your leaders to listen to you and to say, well, this is what we should do. I mean, to be honest, I've walked into rooms and said something, and then, then my, my partner, you know, I'm the consultant. I have a partner who's in-house, and after the conversation, they say, you know how many times I've said that, but now Bonnie's brilliant. <laughs> I've said that like a million times, but now Bonnie's the brilliant one, and Bonnie said, and Bonnie said, and, you know, it's just hilarious, but sometimes it just me, you just need someone else to validate it, and then... If you have a consultant, you'll make time for it.
1: So um, let's stay on the crisis management piece for a, a moment longer. You talk about building out, potentially leaning on somebody to help. What are the resources that you need in creating that crisis management plan? Maybe beyond the money, beyond the staff. Are, are there extra elements within the toolbox that you would recommend as best practices to sell the idea up the chain, to make sure that people get behind it. Expand upon that for a minute.
0: Well, I'm, I'm gonna kinda look at crisis at kinda turn it a little bit and look at reputation as well. Um, because um, we look at it, and I think uh, many uh, people in this field look at, um, you, you can spend all your time preparing for crisis Um, You know, and you've got smoldering crisis, you know, things like that. Um, You've got sudden crisis, so you prepare for them. But in reality, um, if you haven't built equity and you haven't built trust, um, when that crisis happens, no matter how well we do as communication professionals, to be transparent and to tell the story and to move through it, if we don't have trust, if we don't have something to build upon, uh, if we do not have a good reputation, then then we're challenged. So we really try to encourage people to work from the reputation side of, uh, first. So how, one, do we build our reputation? Um, if you look at um, a reputation, um, you know, going from having no reputation or a bad reputation to having a good one, um, the impact of that is like 766 percent uh, more likely to buy from you. I mean, just think about that. Um, I am seven hundred and sixty six percent more likely to buy from an organization or more likely to go watch a, an athletic team or whatever. If I'm aligned with their brand, if I believe in their brand, if they have a good brand. Same thing when you think about it from your sponsorship perspective. So, you know, how do you begin to build that brand and thought leadership and communications and all of that, how how that works, experience, all of that's important. But also looking at reputational risks. And and I think from a, we tend from a communication perspective to look at reputational risks that are in our purview. You know, we're looking at social media, we're looking at things like that. But we need to take it up a level and look at reputational risks from the entire industry uh, of athletics, um, from our athletes, from the university, um, from universities as a whole. Universities are going through major shifts and changes, which will impact us, which will impact you know, athletics funding, um, you know, the, um, ha- as we just talked about, the changes that are coming those are reputational risk and how we look at that. So we want to build our reputation, and then we want to look at the reputational risk and see how do we make decisions going forward that can mitigate those. Um, But I just think we have a tendency to be in this reputation management world, which is kind of the old school world of, instead of being proactive and fueling our brand, um, and then really uh, creating this uh, reputational risk assessment that says, okay, I'm willing to take that risk um, You know, the, the risk reward is, is worth it, right? Your executives and university presidents are doing that all the time So how do we get up at that level as um, communication professionals to help them make those decisions So we're better prepared to guide that
1: An onion is a bad analogy, but I feel like we're peeling back the layers of this communication onion. So as you mentioned reputation, you've been fond of saying that reputation is the ultimate differentiator. So as a communications professional in the college setting is working to build that trust, how does he or she know that they are changing to have their reputation be that differentiator? And how will it be that they know that they've gotten to that place? I know it's probably constant maintenance, but at some point in that evolution, how do you know that you have created that difference?
0: You know, I think um, that difference probably has changed in the last 18 months. Um, you know, back when when I was um in an SID, um, you know, you were working with the coaches, right? And so you built your reputation with the coaches, and when they relied upon you, um, you know, you you that's where you were, right? So your your coach relied upon you, trusted you. Trust was a big thing with the coach. Um, you built that re- reputation in that, you know, as being a trusted advisor, as you will with the coach or the athletic director, then then you know that's when you had made it Um, now there's a lot of other things at play you know there's more than just the coach and the athletes uh, at play you've got sponsors you've got um, influencers that you have no influence over as you will not easily so it really now becomes um, are you a cost center or you know and and quite frankly we saw athletic budgets uh, cut significantly we saw Sports information, media relations, athletic communications disappear at major universities or, or shrink or move. Um, and so it's are you a cost center or are you a value center? And so when we're building our brand as individuals, as communication professionals, individuals across the world, whether it's in athletics or it's in healthcare or it's in energy, Um, We're really looking at how do we how are we creating value and becoming a value center and for that we have to connect to business we have to connect to the business um, and and business goals Uh, so that's when I talk about stepping back up to what are the what are the pain points what are the things that your athletic director is dealing with we see tons of change. That is coming our way and um, we can help and be that best friend of the uh, the leaders um, to help them lead through that change. So we've got, uh, you know, if I think um, truly if you're in athletic communications right now um, and you can showcase how you can lead through change, how you can understand what's happening in name, image, and likeness, how you can understand um, the sponsors and the challenges the sponsors have, how you can understand influencers, um, and quite frankly, how you can connect the dots to the business of athletics because athletics is a business.
1: If you boil that down, that makes it sound like that's a a thought leader, right? That's somebody that is proactive as opposed to reactive.
0: Right. And I think there's a difference between a thought leader and an expert. So you can be both. Um, an expert is someone who knows their stuff, right? Um, a thought leader is someone who actually steps out and says, not only do I know my stuff, but I'm going to analyze what I know and say, here's where we should go, here's what we should be doing, or or start those conversations. So based on what I'm seeing, based on my expertise, here's my recommendation. That becomes a thought leader versus I'm just an expert. I know how to do this.
1: The next 18 months are going to be sort of crazy, a bit of an intersection, much less the next nine and a half years or so. Plot a roadmap for those listening. What are the posts that they need to hit, these leaders in sports information and communications? It, it's, it's hard to digest nine years, but it might be a little bit easier to bite off 18 months. So give us the posts that they need to hit in order to be successful as communicators.
0: Well, I'm going to go, um, I, I mean, I think these are things that you need to start right now and um, and the next 18 months if you just put these in your playbook and start them. And the, and this really is, no matter whether you're in athletic communications or you're in any any uh, communication profession, uh, business acumen is, is really important. Do you understand the business of your athletic department and how to communicate it and how communication and your role impacts it. Uh, You need to be a strategic thinker. Are you proactive? Can you think beyond what we're doing today? And can you guide through the uncertainty and the fluidity? Really looking at not, you know, we've talked a long time about the seat at the table. Um, Whether you have a seat at the table or not, are you a guide? Are you helping leaders get where they are, whether you're a leader or not? Let's look at pain points. Um, Are you a problem solver for leadership or are you a pain point? You know, that goes back to this value creation versus cost center. Um, Where is the easy button and can you provide it? And are you a facilitator of ideas? So that goes back to this thought leadership thing, Uh, whether they're your ideas and or are you just facilitating and helping ideas flow through? Uh, helping stories flow through of how they can have an impact. I think, I think if you focus on those things, um, it will make a huge difference in where you are as a thought leader and an expert and how you are a value creator uh, within the organization, which is really hard for us, right, as communication mm-hmm. professionals as well as athletic communication professionals. You know, we have a full job to do without worrying about the business, without being a strategic thinker, without eliminating pain points. Our phone's ringing off the hook, there's this we have to deal with, there's this we have to deal with. Um, But if we can work this into our style and the way, and that's part of asking questions, right? If we can ask questions and and learn as we're going along, then, then we'll be golden.
1: My last question for you before I cue up some music to play us out with, and I'll ask it in a lighthearted nature, but there's probably a very heavy answer to it. Are are we good communicators right now through all this? Are we good at communications? Yes and no.
0: (laughs) You know, um, I think we're good at promotions of other people. I don't think we're good at promoting ourselves. Um, and we're really, uh, but we're really good at promoting others. Um, we're very good at the latest and newest tools. We have TikTok, we have Clubhouse, we have whatever's coming out next next week. We have it, right? Um, but are people listening? There's an awful lot of noise out there. Uh, it really depends on their engagement level, and from a strategic communication perspective. I think most organizations are being reactive and aren't properly utilizing communication or communication professionals to drive their change, to ensure their business goals, develop reputation and align brands. And that's, that is across the board, regardless of whether you're in athletic communications or you're, you're in some other industry. Um, we just um, aren't properly utilized. And part of that is we promote others, but not ourselves.